0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. In this episode, I have Detective Sergeant Tulio Serrata, my friend, my brother, that I've known for over 25 years, his story from going from New York City EMS to the police department. He's been all over, homicide. I'll let him tell the story. All right, let's get to it. Right, so uh for those for those in the audience that don't know my my brother, my friend, uh Tulio Serrata, can you please just give a like a short short version of your of your life? All right, a short version is hello everyone. Uh it's nice
1: to be here with my brother Dave. We know we go way back, way back. Uh as far as myself? Over, over 25 years. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's before I had gray hair. <laughs> Um, as far as myself, I am of Dominican descent, my parents immigrated to the United States in the, um, when they were in their uh, mid twenties, uh, I was born in New York city and I was raised in Brooklyn. Uh, I was raised in Brooklyn in a time where Brooklyn was, uh, not the nicest place to be at. Um, and then from there, I wound up coming out to Long Island where I spent a majority of my, uh, I guess half of my adult life out here. Uh, In that trans course, I've uh, worked for New York City EMS. Uh, I did about eight years there, Uh, then transferred over to Suffolk County Police Department where I'm currently employed as a detective sergeant. And hopefully uh, just in a few more years, I'll be able to retire and uh, sail off into the sunset.
0: So I know that you've told me a lot of good stories from the New York City uh, EMS. any any particular stories stick out in your head? Like, like, uh, what's the craziest thing that you can remember ever happening in the city? Uh, every day was something crazy. You
1: got to remember back when I worked EMS. It was the uh, early '90s. Uh, crack was at its uh, highest peak. Uh, there was a lot of violence, a lot of crime. What borough? Um, I worked you- Brooklyn uh, until I was uh, moved to a tactical unit. While I was in a tactical unit, I was uh, responsible. Able to go to areas that were depleted of resources, uh, mass casualty incidents. For example, the uh, the 93 World Trade Center explosion. I was one of the first units to arrive at the uh sub-level explosions at the World Trade Center. Uh I, so know I, that. I responded Yes. Uh I was able to uh extricate and assist the firefighter who fell down a couple of sub-levels and uh we were able to get him out out of that location. Uh but You know, every day was something different. I I, I was one of the youngest ones to ever be employed by New York City EMS. I joined, I was in the academy at the age of 19 and uh, I was working at Stuyvesant. Uh, Like I said, there was a high violence, high crime rate, a little bit of everything. But one of the the craziest stories that stand out to me was uh, I had what is called an individual who got, who wheeled himself in front of a train in an attempt to commit suicide. So he wheeled himself right onto the tracks just prior to the train pulling into the station. Uh, he did not die. Uh, what he wound up doing was he wound up bilaterally amputating both of his legs from the oh my knee. God. But he didn't he didn't have any pain because he was paralyzed from the waist down. So by the time we were able to extricate him out with the use of uh, es and the airbags, you know, one leg was, 15 feet away, another leg was like maybe 30 feet away. So by the time we stabilized him and recovered his amputated legs and put them in ice and transported him to the hospital. From Brooklyn, we wound up transporting to Bellevue Hospital. Uh, he wasn't the nicest individual, let's say. And it turns out that we later learned that the reason he is paralyzed, he or he was paralyzed, was because he had attempted suicide once before by throwing himself in front of a train a year or two earlier. And he didn't die from that either. He just wound up becoming paralyzed. So this is his second attempt at committing suicide. Oh my god! And uh, he wasn't very successful at this point either. And like I said, you know, we had a long commute from Brooklyn to Bellevue Hospital, and uh, he wasn't the nicest
0: individual, uh, to say the least. (laughs) What made you want to become a cop? Um, Well, you 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 didn't get enough. You didn't get enough action from the
1: EMS. No, because you see, what happened was with EMS, I was recovering the aftermath. So I was recovering the gunshot victims. I was recovering the stabbing victims. I was recovering, you know, I was always picking up the aftermath. And, and I was like, you know, what if I become a police officer and I can actually prevent some of these acts of violence by being a police officer and instead of having to pick up and seeing the the anguish, seeing the pain, seeing the misery that followed? So I said, all right, you know, how about I just jump forward and try to prevent some of that stuff? And 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 then that's when um, I decided to take I was on about eight different civil service exams. Uh, I got called by all of them. And uh, then I got accepted to the Suffolk County Police Cadet program that you were part of. And, um, you know, hey, Suffolk County swore a sin. And,
0: and that was it. That was the, the rest was- is history. Yes, yeah. yeah, sure. The rest is history. Yeah. I, uh, I took like four four or five tests. I was in the city for five months. I got, you know, uh, sworn in by the city. Um, I took the park ranger and, um, I also took port authority, but I didn't score high enough on that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I did, I also took Nassau County PD as well, but they ended up throwing that test out because it was cheating. Yeah.
1: (laughs) There always seems to be some kind of issues with these open competitive exams, especially. Yeah. There was a lot
0: of, there was a lot of scandals going on yeah. There was a lot of scandals going on back in the uh what was it late nineties, I guess? Yeah, mid to late nineties. Mid to late nineties, yep. Yep, mid yeah. So um so now you're a boss. How yes, long you've been a, how long you been a boss? Sergeant, a, sergeant, detective sergeant.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I, I've been a sergeant now for four years. Uh the first two years, obviously, I was a patrol sergeant in the last two years, uh, just this month, I my anniversary of becoming a detective sergeant for two years. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, as you know- I'm proud sergeant, of you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, the detective sergeant is probably one of the most difficult positions to obtain. Uh, it's not just an exam, you know, you have to go in front of the panel and get uh, get crossed by uh, superior officers that give you uh, different kinds of, uh, let's say, uh, scenarios, yep. uh, question you about legal stuff, such, and seizure. So it's a pretty challenging interview, uh, and I'm pretty pretty proud. I'm, I'm I'm the first Dominican detective sergeant in the history of Suffolk County. I'm pretty proud of that, and uh, you know, hey, just uh, moving
0: along. <laughs> um, now you're also the president of the Hispanic Society. Had that Had that happen?
1: Well, you know, when we first came on the Hispanic Society was a big catalyst in developing the cadet program with the department of justice. And, uh, I've always, uh, been very grateful to the Hispanic society Me Um, and me too. (laughs) and And in the past, I I've always been a member. Um, I wasn't able due to the time constraints to participate, uh, be an active member, but I was a member. And then, uh, now that things have calmed down and I'm situated and, and, uh, I decided that I wanted to give back a little bit and and try to bring the Hispanic society what I believe that it should be. Uh and so you know, I I ran for president. I was lucky enough to be voted president and um and I had a lot of big plans. Unfortunately, this pandemic kind of shut me down. But Yeah, I, I- wanted to
0: ask you uh pre pre-COVID, you guys were doing a lot of charities. Um yeah. what was what was one of the charities that, you know, like that really stands out to you that you remember?
1: I mean, even even through the pandemic, we still have been, um, you know, obviously with precautionary measures and CDC guidelines, we've still been able to do certain things here and there, but we've been very, very restricted. Um, One of the most, most gratifying uh, benevolent acts that we did was when we partnered up with uh, cops of kids and we delivered toys to underprivileged kids in the the neighborhood of wine dance. And I tell you, it, it was an unbelievable event. It was totally gratifying. Uh, during that day, I, I, just like two or three days prior to that, I, I had a real bad episode of uh, Bell's Palsy. Okay. So my face was not <laughs> not looking all that good because I was paralyzed from one side of myself. I couldn't blink and I, I had a different Oh, my time. God. But, uh, you know, my wife's like, you got to stay home. You got to stay home. You're not You're not well. And I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm missing this. And uh, I, I decided to go ahead and we had several members participate in this event. And anyone who was there will tell you that it was, it was one of the most unbelievable things that we did to see these kids light up uh, to receive gifts. And, and it, were, it didn't have to be expensive gifts. It could have been a basketball. It could have been a little ball. It could have been a little Barbie doll. But just the fact that, you know, we were bringing these gifts when they were not expecting it. And, you know, it was funny because we would pull up with lights and sirens and police cars and making all this noise. And, you know, there was a confusion on the block. They thought we were possibly executing a search warrant. Some people, <laughs> have, some people might have been running, you know, thinking that we were executing a search warrant. But the kids were a little confused. But when they saw that we were handing out gifts, you know, it was the smiles on their faces is something that you'll never forget.
0: Mm. So you, you've had uh, quite the career. Like it, it, it inspires me. Uh, You went from EMS to PO to the gang unit to uh, getting promoted to detective. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, being part of the hostage negotiation team. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. I didn't know that either.
1: Yeah, Um, I was part of the hostage negotiation team when I was the detective in third precinct. It was was
0: quite interesting. It's very, very good. Yeah, you've been very blessed to move around and see a lot of different areas of the department. Um, How how long did you do in homicide? Homicide detective? Yeah, I went to homicide. I did five years in homicide. This is where
1: um, when you get five years the the office gives you a gift for completing five years. So you get an engraved watch uh, with your name and your shield number. And you know, a watch like this, you see the option is a watch or a ring. And uh, anyone
0: who you see with this, no you know that they put their time in. That's pretty awesome. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So then from homicide, um, you got promoted to sergeant? Yes, I, I requested to go to
1: the first precinct where I never worked before, but I you know, I was always uh interested in working in the first precinct because I know how busy it is. So you yeah, know, a lot of people thought I was crazy. When I when I walked in to take the sergeant's exam, people looked at me and they you know, they thought I was crazy. They were like, you know, you're, you're working in homicide. Why would you even consider becoming a sergeant? I would die to go to homicide. And I was like, cause my, my goal was to be a detective sergeant. So, you know, I always looked at it as if I can make sergeant from a specialized command, hopefully with all that experience, it will benefit me in, in moving to detective sergeant. And and fortunately it, it has,
0: you know. So for any, um, any young people out there that are thinking about becoming an officer do uh, you have any advice for them?
1: Uh, well, you know, we're living in difficult, difficult times. So kudos to those individuals who, who in today's day and age are still interested in doing law enforcement. You know, I, I thank
0: it, them, it is, them. It is a tough, tough time right now.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's very difficult. But you know what? There's still plenty of good police officers. And what we see publicized in the media is not nearly the, the truth as far as the, you know, the corruption and, and the mistreatment and and it's not nearly what it is. You know, you have so many good police officers
0: and, and so many good people doing the good, good things, you know, hey, you're me. preaching, you're preaching to the choir to me, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I consider police, uh, EMS, fire, rescue nurses. I consider them all heroes in, in society right now. Um, mm-hmm. how do you feel when, when you get that label? Like, how does that label make you feel?
1: You know what? I, I'm, It doesn't really bother me because I know who I am. I know how I treat people. I know what I've done. So, you know, there are times where you might have conversation with people who are not law enforcement, who might have a negative uh, attitude towards police officers. You try to educate them on situations that they might not be fully educated on. But, you know, you can do what you can do. You can Try to tell them what they want to hear or what they don't want to hear, and they're going to make the decisions regardless whether it's based on factual evidence or not. Yeah. So you're yep. not going to be able to control someone's perception. You can try to educate them on the situation, or, or but you know they're going to believe what they're going to believe regardless. So you know I, I'm not going to exert energy uh, on someone who's just not being open-minded
0: to the realities of the fact. Who's your um, Who's your top five heroes? <laughs> All all time, all time, greatest of all time. It could be athletes. It could be be anything.
1: It's hard for me to say that because, you know, there are people that I see that do such good things that aren't necessarily famous, aren't necessarily wealthy, aren't necessarily in the public eye. So, you know, to me, a hero to me or an individual can be a person that's doing things undercover not necessarily well, for the recognition
0: well those those are some of the people that i want to talk to the people that aren't necessarily getting the recognition that yeah. are doing some you know big big things because i think the more that you let other people know like i don't i i don't believe that good deeds should be done in silence you know i think that good deeds kind of catch catch on and catch you know it, it inspires people and it catches on like fire sometimes you know? I mean, I
1: mean, you can go every day. You, you, any given point, you can go on on YouTube and see a video of a good deed that's done, and you're like, wow, look how awesome that is, you know. And just watching the videos, you know, you, you feel your heart. You almost get a tear in your eye because it was such a generous and benevolent act that was committed by someone you don't even freaking know, and no one would ever know. But you know, I, I guess those are the people. You know, you you see. There are people that will run into a burning building and take out a, a grandfather and then walk away. You will never get that identify.
0: You never, you never know. You never know that they did that. You never
1: know, and gone. And, and you know, you see the media attention, and they're trying to find this individual, and they'll never come forward. To me, that that's
0: that's a hero. You know, to me, yeah, that's yeah. someone. But yeah. You know. Um. What three pieces of advice would you give yourself at eighteen if you could talk to your eighteen-year-old self right now? Uh, uh, max out my deferred comp.
1: <laughs> no matter what, right? Max, max out my deferred comp for the for the, the rest of my career. No, um, honestly, um,
0: just be that's ambitious. Not a bad, that's not a bad piece of piece of advice, man. Everybody yeah. says it, but it's hard. It's hard when you're in your twenties and you're trying to buy a house for the first time and you're not, biggest, a, you're not you're not at top pay it's it's hard
1: yeah. yeah i think you know what the biggest the biggest piece of advice that i would give myself at 18 is to really um listen comprehend and pay close attention to the advice that some people give you you know because when you're young you you are under the impression that you know it all or that you've seen it Been there, done that, but you know sometimes you get advice from people that you really don't pay that close attention to. So I think, if I was to give myself advice now, uh, I would say, pay closer attention to some of the advice that you
0: receive from individuals who've been there, done that, and experienced it. Hmm. That's good advice. Um, If you had Jeff Bezos' money, hundred billion dollars, and your family was taken care of. what would you do? Are there any kind of are there any kind of like world projects that like you had in mind? Like, well, you know what? Something that just recently, um,
1: I, I just recently experienced something, and, and and you know, we have people who are, who are un, unfortunate and may, maybe don't have the the same financial resources that you and I may have or that anybody else may have. But you know, it's funny because like you got to put things in, into perspective. Because you can look at your lifestyle today and be like, oh, man, I wish I had more money. Oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Yet there's someone who wished that they had what you have.
0: No, I know. I'm very comfortable. Right? So I'm very comfortable.
1: So so there there are people that wish that they can live the lifestyle that we live. And for one reason or another, they can't. But, you know, like a perfect incident. And and this is, I'm going to give you a, a personal incident regarding my nephew. My nephew likes basketball. He recently started to uh, find the affinity of playing football, so he's started to play football. So I asked him, I was like, hey, do you have a football? And he said no. And, and I, I, was, it, I was bewildered. He lives in the, in inner the city. They have nowhere to play football. There's no space for them. And I'm like, I just can't imagine that a kid can't play like an average kid here out in the suburbs, in the, in the city. Uh, they don't have the the opportunities to play organized leagues and organized sports. Yeah. They can't, you know. I remember when I grew up in, in the city. You know, there were no basketball teams. There were no organized football. We didn't have a PAL in the city. You know, we did have a little bit of a baseball league, but it's not the way it is here out in the suburbs. So I w- I would definitely like to, if I had that kind of money, is establish a a, a free organization where kids are able to play any sport that they want and not have to worry about the resources to purchase equipment to whether they want to play hockey, they have to buy hockey equipment where it will be totally free equipment included to so say they can decide and choose an experience and, and play whatever they want to play with, without, without any issues. You know,
0: mm, I like it. If you had your own Netflix special, what would that be? Oh man. <laughs>
1: uh, you know what? I, I, you probably just, you
0: probably film yourself you probably film yourself setting up uh yeah. some kind of sports league like that, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean I, <laughs> I I don't know how many people would be interested, but yeah, you know, just just to bring the notoriety to to an, an issue that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> What's the deer story? I, I was told that I had to ask you about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know exactly who gave you this information. It's Sergeant Bider, who used to be my <laughs> Sergeant Biden was my supervisor when I was in the gang unit. And, yeah, he uh, told me, he told me I had to ask you about the deer story. <laughs> All right. So so remember, you're talking about an inner city kid that comes out to the suburbs and you know, something from from as simple as the the darkness at night here in the suburbs as compared to nighttime in the city, in the city, that's really not it's really not dark because there's always some kind of ambient light or anything like that. Uh-huh. And as far as the city wildlife, aside from a stray dog and a couple of rats and pigeons, you don't see any wildlife in the city. So I'm very young on a job, I'm brand new on a job and I'm on patrol and I get a call of a deer that was struck by a vehicle. I never even seen a deer in my life, you know, except for Bambi. So I respond to this scene and I see a deer and it has, it's a big deer, it has antlers, it's a big deer and both of its front legs are destroyed and it's crossing instead of to the park, it's going to the residential area. I don't know what to do with this deer, I have no idea. And so I try to grab the deer by the antler and turn it around. And this deer (laughs) starts going crazy, almost kicks me in the head. And I'm (laughs) like, what the hell is going on? So every time I kind of like try to redirect the deer to go back into the woods instead of going crossing the street, to the, it keeps turning around, keeps turning around. And it's a hot day. I remember it was really hot. I was sweating. I didn't know what to do. So I'm dealing with this deer, dealing with this deer, dealing with this deer. Awesome. one of the residents comes up to me, she has a knife in her sleeve. She pulls out this huge knife and she says, you're gonna have to euthanize this deer, just cut his throat because it's suffering so bad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm gonna this live animal's throat. Anyway, time goes on, time goes on. I don't know what to do with this deer. I call for a supervisor. Supervisor's taking a lot of time to arrive at the scene. I'm struggling back and forth. I'm actually fighting with this deer back and forth. It gets to the point that I'm fatigued. I don't know what to do. I grab a deer and I drag it down behind the car. Right? I, this is not protocol by any means. But I was confused. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So I grabbed the deer and I, I kind of put it by the tailpipe to see it like it
0: <laughs>
1: And I grab a blanket and I, I make like a, a canopy over the deer and the tailpipe. And I'm holding it down. And it's kicking. It's going crazy. My supervisor shows up. He's like, "What are you doing?" What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, "I didn't know what to do. i I had no direction. I've never dealt with this before." So I was, he's like, "No, we're gonna shoot it. Don't worry. Just drag it into the woods. You got to shoot it." I was like, "Well, I wasn't gonna discharge my arm without you know clearance." Again, being a rookie, I don't know what to do. I need direction. So he has me drag this deer. Now, this deer is kicking. It's kicking as I'm dragging it. How I didn't get kicked in the head is beyond me. So I drag it into the woods, and I, and I kind of, like, put it down. And I was like, all right, Bambi, turn around. This won't hurt a bit. So at point blank range, I shoot it in the head. This deer jumps up and starts screaming with a bullet hole in his head. <laughs> oh, my God. I jump back. I get scared. I kick it, right? And I fall back. <laughs> my sergeant falls back. And this deer is screaming. I mean, I didn't know deer scream like this. And he's like, ah!
0: Why'd you shoot me? Why'd you shoot me?
1: And it's got a hole in his head with steam coming out. Wow. <laughs> so somebody's like, shoot it again, shoot it again. I shoot it a second time. It gets up and starts screaming again. I shot it three times before it finally laid down. And I was, I I'd never seen anything like this before. I'm thinking it's one shot, bang, it's dead. It's no, no problem. I had to shoot it three times, and I, and I'm sweating. And I'm like, oh my god, this is the craziest <laughs> thing I ever did. So we're walking. We're walking out of the woods, and a car stops as I walk out the woods. And like, excuse me, um, just want to let you know, a deer just got hit down the block. Ah! So I I had to go through this whole episode again for the second deer. It was it was one of the crazy. I was emotionally drained after this. (laughs) this (laughs) I was emotionally drained. I was like, this is this is. I come from the inner city to do this. I was like, it was it was just crazy.
0: It's one of those. I uh, I I, one time on a car stop in Amityville, somebody's dog got loose because you know it was just it was in the hood, and um, I'm on a car stop and I had to run up my hood and I'm pointing my gun at the at the dog. Luckily, the owner came out and I was like, you better get your dog. Thank God I never had to shoot any dogs. You know, did you did you shoot that second deer too? yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I have a history with animals I actually had to shoot two dogs too.
0: oh my god yeah', yeah I'm, I'm glad that I haven't had to you know it's, it's, it's horrible it's horrible <laughs> um you got any side hustles right now? And uh, I yes. know I know we're comfortable but you know we're always reaching for more that's the sure. uh that's the nature you know that's yeah. the nature of the spirit you want to grow.
1: That's just the way it is. I mean, you know, we have an investment property in the Bronx. Um, and we have, we're very, very lucky. We have very, very good uh, tenants. Um, before that, we had a, a barber shop in New Jersey, which we sold. And right now, I'm in the process of developing. Uh, I just developed a, a charter company business, so a boat charter company business where I'll be doing bo- boat tours, uh, taking people out on the water, you know, letting them. Swim in the water, cruise around, sunset cruises. So, you know, Bowden's a, a real passion of mine. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, this is my fourth boat now. You know, I'm actually a certified captain and upgraded to a master's uh, endorsement, which gives me an unlimited amount of uh, passengers and size of the boat. So okay. it's it's something that I, I really passionate about. I love being out on the water. And it just, you know, my peace of mind is that that's definitely one of my pieces of mind, just being
0: out on the water and enjoying myself. That's awesome. That's awesome. If people want to find your uh, charter company, how, how would they go about doing that?
1: Well, right now we're in the process of developing a website. It's called champagne charters, uh, LLC. It's going to be uh, launching out of patchwork and I have an Instagram right now. It's called our uh, champagne boat charters on Instagram Champagne uh, boat charters. I'll put a link. I'll put a link to it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And like I said, it's going to be based out of Patchogue. You know, we, we're right across from Fire Island, so we'll be cruising around Patchogue River. You know, dropping an anchor, having some stand up paddle boards or floating mats so that people can sunbathe,
0: and uh, just just something I enjoy doing. You know. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a definitely going to support that business. I'm going to support that with, with my dollars. I appreciate. Um, it. my this is my five final questions and then uh you know i I really respect and appreciate your time uh tulio serrata you are one of my heroes one of my personal heroes uh your career i i shit you not your career has really inspired me um i feel honored to i feel honored to know you and i i believe that you should give people the roses while it's still here, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I really have love for you in my heart, but we're gonna wrap up. You already told me what being a hero means to you, but just give me your quick, short definition again. Uh, what, what is it, how do you define a hero?
1: Uh, being loyal, being honest, and being disciplined. I think are probably the three key things. And most importantly, um, I don't consider myself a hero. That's, that's one thing, but the humility is uh something that's very
0: important mm. um, when stress is at its highest and you're at you feel like you're at your breaking point. how do you save yourself?
1: Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, I have a wife that's uh, beautiful loved and uh, I can go to her when I have those low points. Uh, so I'm very fortunate, but uh, there are cert- certain times where you just need time to yourself, you need space. And you need alone time, you know. And you got I, the boat too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Some I, I, some people are scared of alone time, and I'm, I'm not necessarily scared of alone time. I think sometimes you just need to sit back and take a good look at yourself and see if you're the issue or you're the problem, you know. And being an so honest, that's, that's how that's how you show love to yourself by. Well, I, you know, I show love to myself by you know trying to do exercise, uh, doing the things that I enjoy doing. Uh, you know, there are times where you know. I might have a nice cigar and I treat myself to a real nice cigar with a nice little drink. And I do. I do enjoy that. I, I enjoy having a nice cigar. And, you know, like I won't light a cigar <laughs> if I know I can't finish it from beginning to end without any interruptions. OK, so I, I I put on a little bit of Cuban jazz music and just just
0: slow it down a, a lot. <laughs> nice. We should take a trip to Cuba once uh, once the world opens back up, you know, In there twice. It's a great place. I don't, I don't smoke, but I would definitely, uh, I would definitely take that trip with you. Yeah, it's, it's nice.
1: Uh, you know, that's one of the things that, that I, my wife is, a, she loves traveling, and, and, I, I got more stamps in my passport since I've been together with my wife. So we do a lot of traveling, and traveling is unbelievable. Experiencing the different cultures and different places, and history and architecture, and it's just, you know, we, we the world is big, and we can, if the world is big yet it's not big anymore because there's means of, of
0: going to places that you've never gone to before. Yeah. You know, I love to travel. Um, what's your power today? What's your strength or your best ability? Um,
1: I guess just doing the right thing. I really, I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I look at my wife and she has a very strong faith in Jesus and God. And, uh, and the inner peace that she has is unbelievable. And I'm working on obtaining that. I don't have that just yet, but I've always felt though, even though I don't have that that faith or per se that she has or as strong as she does, I've always balanced myself with just being honest, being hardworking, doing the right thing, and just treating people with respect. You know, because you know, in our job, how many times people have a, a label People are labeled on our job all the mm-hmm. time, and you know, and then you ha- interact with those individuals, and, and you, you know, you allow yourself to to be biased to that individual because of those labels. And, and I always try to make it a point that if someone has a label, and I have to interact with that person, I'm going to definitely try my best to leave a, a clean start off with a clean sheet of paper. Now, there are certain labels that you 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 can't ignore, <laughs> and, you keep, and you keep at the back of your mind. But you give that individual. If I have to interact with that person, I, I I give that individual a blank sheet of paper and let them draw on that paper who they are and identify themselves by their actions.
0: For fun, last question: If you had a superpower, comic, comic superpower, what would it be? I guess Aquaman because I like the waters. I guess be <laughs> you know,
1: I guess that would be Aquaman because I have infinity for the water being out there just enjoying the water. So I guess it would right. be
0: awkward. All right, brother. I appreciate your time. I no, appreciate you. you talking with me. And uh this was a fun interview. Sure, talk to me soon. Thank, thank you for having me. I appreciate no it. No problem. No problem. And right. I, I'll definitely put a link to the charter to the charter business. Yes,
1: sir. I appreciate that. And uh, everybody will trust me will have a good time being on the boat with some music and some good good entertainment. All right brother. I'll talk to you later. Be well. Thank you.
0: Alright, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. That was episode number two of the Hero Academy podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with someone that you know. And if you know of a guest that I should have on the show, someone who's funny, entertaining, or has a great story, something uplifting, positive message in either nursing, police department, fireman, hit, hit me up. Send me a message on Instagram. Send me a DM and uh keep listening oh and drop a comment in the uh comment section on instagram also if you enjoyed the episode let me know what you thought like i said i promise they'll get better this is just the beginning all right one